Welcome to Branch Out, a connection builders podcast, helping middle market professionals connect, grow, and excel in their careers. Through a series of conversations with leading professionals, we share stories and insights to take your career to the next level. A successful career begins with meaningful connections. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Branch Out Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Drost. Today, we welcome Tyler Fair, co-founder and CEO of SourceGrub the leading data service for dealmakers who want to find, research, and connect with founder-owned businesses. Tyler shares his entrepreneurial journey and how he has learned to lead by empowering smart people and getting out of their way. I hope you all enjoy. Connect and grow your network. We are on LinkedIn. Search for Connection Builders. Tyler, welcome to the Branch Out Podcast. Excited to have you here today. Thanks, Alex. I know we've been talking about it for a while, so it's nice to finally make this happen. And good to see all the traction that you've received since starting Branch Out a little bit into COVID. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been a, a heck of a ride and, and you know, maybe a good place for us to start this conversation today. I'd, I'd like to have you just share a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do, and we'll take the dialogue from there. Yeah, I, I think I know the answers there. So I, I, I partnered up with a buddy of mine from middle school back in 2014 to basically start building the business plan and the and the MVP of our product for source scrub but it was it wasn't until after about 7 years in the industry and building direct origination efforts across a couple of different firms that I realized direct origination certainly worked but the private company information that we needed there was no great way to get it no efficient way to get it and so that ended up being a, a bottleneck to really scaling our direct origination effort and at the time, that was that was while I was at a private equity firm in San Francisco called Serent, and so went through, you know, about a about a six month transition at Serent, where you know I let them know, hey, I've got this you know product I want to go build. By the way, you know, I think it would be perfect for your firm, and would love for you guys to be the initial customer. And they agreed. And you know, it wasn't right away. It was a little bit like. Hey, we'd love to keep you, but understand if you got to go do this, and and if so, we'd love to support you. And so they came on as as customer number one, and we didn't raise any money to start the business, bootstrapped the company basically until our first deal with Mainsail in 2019, our first private equity firm that we recapped with, and we just added you know kind of a customer a month in that first year, which was awesome. Every time we got a win, you know, it just gave you a little bit more energy, a little bit more runway. You get some more dollars in the door. You figure out where to invest it. Where's the you know most important thing to put money into? That for us back at the time was was really data ops and building out our research team in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. It was a very cost effective way to get high quality data and then layer our platform on top of that in both capacities, both for the client front end and the research team in the back end. And yeah, I guess geez, seven years later we're about a $20 million business and, you know, have beachheads in private equity and investment banking. And I've been working with the best private equity firms and investment banking firms in the world for the last, you know, six or seven years, developing a product that is basically tailored to the to their workflows and their pain points. And what I, I really love about your story, and, and you alluded to this some, so, so you were you're working in an industry in, in private equity, you were doing research on kind of direct outreach, direct origination for finding opportunities. 
And, and the challenge you had was ultimately finding the data, right? It's getting enough of the data points and knowing who the companies are you're trying to outreach and, and just frankly, having that knowledge and awareness. And that was something that I assume was a very manual process, a lot of Google digging, a lot of finding a trade show or something and digging that up and something that really creates a, a meaningful bottleneck. And, and you said, hey, there, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a more effective and efficient way. And and if me and my private equity firm are having this problem, it's probably the same problem that all private equity firms are struggling with in one way or another. Is that like is that a fair way of thinking about that kind of initial kickoff behind everything here? Yeah, that's right. Just basically building a product that I myself wanted to use mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, the the legacy databases that were in place weren't going after this particular pain point for me. And, you know, for us, we were hiring interns to basically do this research. I mean, I started out doing it and they quickly ran out of time and I was like, how do I do this? And so went to the partners at this is like back in 2011, but went to the partners at Sarah and was like, Hey, I need help. If we want to get this thing off the ground, we hired a bunch of interns. We kept that going for about three and a half years until I was like, enough is enough. This just like, I mean, the interns hated the job because it was literally just scrubbing through Google the whole time. They were doing it basically to put a logo on their resume. And it was a total pain to recruit interns three times a year because you get them in the fall and then you get them in the spring and then summer. And then, you know, undoubtedly, they end their internship early. They're like, hey, we've had three months that we're out. Or they just didn't show up to work because, you know, they were out too late the night before or whatever, which... You know, happens when you're a college kid, but so that didn't that didn't work that well. Didn't get didn't get the origination effort to scale the way we wanted it to. Didn't allow me to hire seamlessly into the function, and so yeah, approached the partners at Serent, and they you know loved the idea and basically wanted to support us however they could. Well, I, I like that. I, I'm I, I'm laughing a little. Obviously, our, our listeners can't see me, but I, I'm laughing a little as Tyler's saying this because the way Tyler and I very first met, and this is gosh, would have been maybe. 2016-ish, I believe that you were probably still doing sales calls at that point in your Cascade. life. And you reached out to me. I was at Cascade Partners, Middle Market Investment Bank. And and it was the, the conversation, the problem you're describing was the exact problem. It was, we need this data. We want to find this. And the way we did it was find is, is exactly as you said, some hungry, wide-eyed college kid that said, hey, I, you know, I'm willing to do this because they'll look at my resume and, you know, they, they show up and realize that it's, pretty mindless, mind-numbing, Googling type work. And it is what it is. It was part of the process. It's what you had to do. But you're, you're, you were so right on the pain point that existed there. And, and that's that's what I really love about your story is, is you you saw a pain point and then said, okay, we there's got to be a better solution. So now my question is, how did you start about figuring out what that solution might be? Did you have a tech background? Did you like what what gave you that kind of idea to say, well, I can figure out a tech enabled solution that will solve this pain point? Well, I mean, our platform is so slick these days with, you know, sales, a two way Salesforce integration where you can leverage, you know, Salesforce data in your source scrub or source scrub data in your Salesforce, you know, and can basically build out lists and lists of companies and whatever theme that you're looking for. But the simplest form of value back then was just having a conference Mm -hmm. list scrubbed, right? Because if I looked at where we were allocating a ton of intern time, it was around conferences. So I covered, at one point, I covered four verticals for Sarah. At the end, it was healthcare because we had successfully brought on a couple other folks to the team. But I had 100 healthcare conferences that we were covering every year. And with all those conferences came exhibitor lists and sponsor lists and speaker lists. And so, you know, basically, I, did the exercise myself and 
so to a couple other buddies in the industry who thought it were, was super interesting to have it just on demand and you know could basically predict the ones that were going to need it, right? Healthcare investors going to hymns, obviously they're going to need that. And that was the simplest form of value and got folks to start paying for that. And obviously we've expanded the platform well beyond conference lists. You could, you know, build whatever list of companies that you want. Could be, you know, payments and healthcare in the intersection of that. Could be you know, home healthcare and the intersection of technology, or could be, you know, take an old world economy business making widgets. You could, you know, build as comprehensive a list as you want because we cover all the basically investable grade companies out there that folks can can filter through and find find for their investment themes. Well, I, I'm laughing again. I, I, I can very clearly remember our first conversation was David Thomas. Shout out David Thomas at Cascade Partners, if, if you're listening. Wanted to scrub a conference list. It was ophthalmology at the time. We, we were doing a bunch in, in ophthalmology practices. And it was, well, how, how can we get the data? Yeah, it was. It was exactly what it was. And it was, how do we get how do we get this this list for these attendees? And we were trying to Google, trying to figure it out. And I remember I remember you sending us a sample of the data. We're like, here, we can do this. And I can, I just like, wow, this is, this is a great solution. This, this really helps a lot and streamlines things. Yeah. This is Branch Out, a Connection Builders podcast. So my question then, and, and so you, you clearly created a product that solved the need, that solved the challenge, that was needed in the marketplace. And now fast forward seven years into this, you bootstrapped a business and have built it into a sizable organization. How many team members do you have today? So domestically, we're at about 65 headcount. And most of those are based in San Francisco and New York. But obviously during COVID, some people spread out. And then internationally, about 750, with the bulk of that being data ops and all that we do around quality assurance for the data, making sure that it's accurate and having that human verified touch point with it. And then, you know, sadly, current events, obviously, we have a, I shouldn't say sadly, because it's incredibly inspiring, but we have a team in Ukraine. Really? And they're on the the Western side of the country in, in Lviv, which has been known to be a bit of a safe haven at the moment, but uh, obviously they're going through a tough time and we're doing whatever we can to support them. But the resiliency of the team has just been incredible as Ukraine at large has been. Absolutely. And, and it's timely. It, it's just, it is heartbreaking in many ways. It, it's also, as you said, it's inspiring. It's cool that you you have an opportunity to work with people around the country, right? You've built, you have a team of people around the globe doing this, right? What are some of the lessons that, that you've learned through that, right? I mean, you you've that's a big, that's a lot of change. That's a lot of growth from, from starting this. You, two of you started this to, to where you are today. Just to invest in your people. I mean, just because folks in another part of the world weren't afforded the same opportunity as, you know, some of us folks that, you know, maybe grew up in the Bay Area or close to opportunity in, you know, in the United States. The opportunity is a lot less in some of these countries, a lot less large. And so providing folks with an opportunity and having trust and investing into them has been incredibly rewarding for the business. And then also just on a personal level, you know, we've had, we have folks in Philippines and Ukraine, Philippines got hit by a typhoon in Mm. December. And, you know, you should see the response from our domestic team in terms of doing a fundraiser for those folks that were affected. I mean, we have a pretty awesome location in the Philippines that's mostly protected from natural disaster, but those folks are from other parts of the Philippines. They may commute five hours a week to get into the office and those communities were, you know, some of them were devastated. And so just the response from our domestic team to support 
our colleagues in another part of the world uh, that are going through a tough time and, and obviously doing the same right now. With yeah, for sure. And in, in the the sending support, it sounds like, and, and this is based on our conversation now, but obviously we, we had chatted a little bit before this recording, you had made a point around the importance of your people and, and investing in your people and finding the right people and, and recognizing that, that people, it's less so about finding the perfect person and more so about finding someone that, that's hungry and that wants to do a good job and then investing in them. Can, can you share a little bit more of maybe your, your leadership philosophy around that? Yes. So we're sort of the anti-VC-backed company here at SourceScrub. I mean, we're a bootstrap company technology business in San Francisco. That just doesn't happen all that often. And so as soon as folks come in the door interviewing and they're like, hey, what are the benefits? I just I just tune out because it's like, you're not coming to a company for the benefits. You're coming for the experience mm-hmm. and for the possibility to, at some point, sort of have a step function increase in your economics, right? You got to start somewhere and then you got to have enough experience to realize an opportunity when it hits you in the face to yeah. take it. And so what we you know, do around here is we're like, hey, we're building a business that is not a typical Silicon Valley backed startup that is just looking to get to its next, you know, its next stop on the VC train, their, their next round, right? We're we're building a business that sustains itself. And if you'd like to learn how to do that, come on board and work your ass off and you will, and you'll be rewarded and you'll have a great story on the other side of this. That's something that you can own for the rest of your career. You know, nobody cares if you were at a VC back startup for two years that went bust, right? Which happens north of 90% of the time. Folks like to see, hey, I was there when it got acquired by Francisco Partners. And I and I and I lived through the you know three or five year hold period where we did X Y and Z to the business to create value and then achieved a successful exit. You know those stories that our team like that story that our team is building right now is going to be incredibly valuable to them longer term in their careers. And so as long as we can continue to have you know a great reputation in the marketplace continue to deliver to customers what we're saying we're going to do, you know, we'll get to that, that awesome outcome, whatever that may be. I'm hoping at some point in the next few years, we're going to be able to go mm-hmm. public and have a company that withstands the test of time. But who knows? Whatever the outcome is, they'll be able to own that, own a little piece of it going forward, and hopefully have a lot of knowledge and experience from it to take it with them and, and help them build other successful outcomes. I want to highlight something you said that that I, I think is really impactful. People show up and, and they want to know the benefits. And, and what, what you had pointed out, that this isn't about the benefits. This is about the experience. And, and I, I think for especially speaking to professionals on the, the first half of their career tenure, that is the whole point. You go out and you find an, a job that is going to give you experience more than anything. When, when you approach it with what's in it for me, what are the benefits, what am I going to take from it? And Yes, you, you have to make sure you're compensated in a way that, that's economically fair and that, that you can sustain the life that, that you desire to have. But at the end of the day, your point, and I, I think a really important point for, for people to hear here is recognizing that that if you approach that, and, and I, I assume this is true in your company, if someone shows up and it's like, listen, Tyler, I, I'm excited about this. I think this is a great opportunity. I don't necessarily know everything that I need to know here. It, but but what I'm showing up to do is I want to be part of this. I want to be part of solving this challenge. I want to learn and I want experience. That's the type of people that, that you want. So if, if you are an individual doing that, that's how you make yourself desirable. That's, that's how you make yourself high quality talent is by wanting to show up and gain that experience. And then your point of 
at some point throughout your careers, you, you continue to accumulate that experience and, and develop as a professional. You do get those step function opportunities where they will come on, they'll pop up, they'll, they'll show up in front of you because you've put in the time and you've developed that and you've gained that experience where now you are more valuable. Now you are where, where all of a sudden that, that kind of benefit starts to just become a, a natural part of it. So Tyler, I want to hit on something you said when we were prepping for this. You had said, hire smart people, let them figure out, and then they own a piece of the story. Let's talk about that a little bit. What, what does that kind of leadership philosophy mean to you? And how do you apply it? It's not my own, but it's one I learned very early on and adopted. But no, just working with great people at Serent, right? They come from incredible backgrounds, be it consulting, investment banking, operational. They've seen a lot of, a lot of plays. And one of the things that just stuck with me as we were thinking about you know, scaling out our research effort was, look, you hire smart people and you, let, you get out of their way and you let them do their job. And so we look for those smart people that are hungry, that are, you know, again, not, not coming for the benefits, but coming for the experience, mm-hmm. right, of, you know, learning how you go about building a business and creating value for folks. And you, you try to find those people and then just get out of their way, right? Like set the goal line and, 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 and be their cheerleader and help them when they feel like they're not going to be able to hit it, but get out of their way and, and let them, let them go. That's kind of always been, it's actually an easy way to manage too. <laughs> well, I agree with that, but, and maybe this will be kind of our, our final topic we can wind down in here. Well, it's easier said than done, right? I think you, you talk to people and this idea that empower your team, get out of the way, let people own part of it. it it's going to create more buy-in. I, I think those are relatively common leadership discussions. And, and I think anyone that, that's in a position of power will, will typically agree with that. Maybe not always, but I, I think it's a general consensus. But at the same time, that, that's not easy all the time, right? That's it, it, not always an easy thing to do. What have you learned in that process? And even right before we jumped in recording here, you'd mentioned you're, you're trying to fire yourself from as many jobs as possible, right? Well, what have you learned in that process? There's just better people out there to do things than myself. Mm-hmm. You know, just find, a, find something that works and then go and scale it. And the answer is not going to be, hey, go commit more of your own time mm-hmm. because you don't have any of that. And so, you know, find someone that's, you know, really good at building process, really smart, kind of a figure it out mentality and let them do that. Step in, you know, maybe don't be part of the sausage making as much, maybe kind of see what folks can come up with on their own and then, and then opine and adjust and iterate with the team. But yeah, I mean, geez, if you, if I didn't ever fire myself from jobs around here, we would have, we would have never gone anywhere. This is Branch Out, bringing you candid conversations with leading middle market professionals. It's challenging at times to empower and trust other people and think that they're going to do as good of a job as you. I also think there's a, this fallacy at times that, that we fall into where we think we're the only ones that can do it a certain way. And then we, we as we step back, we kind of realize there's more ways to do it. And sometimes what we thought was perfect maybe was more perfect than it needed to be. And someone else's approach may not be as absolutely perfect as we may want it, but it's totally fine. It doesn't degrade customer quality. It gets the job done. And then that gives that person opportunity to learn and probably long-term figure out how to do it better than us in the long run, right? And if we never gave them that space to try something, to learn something, they're never going to get there. But your point that I think is, is really important there is you said time. If you did it all, you run out of time. 
right? And, and what you're trying to do is figure out how to get more things off your plate so you have less time doing and, and having to deal with other stuff so you can continue to elevate where your focus is and spend your time. The, the one limited resource that every one of us gets 24 hours in a day, you're figuring out how to prioritize and use your time for the highest and best use, right? love that phrase. Highest, best use. Absolutely. So my, I guess my, my final parting question to you then is looking back and, and you've been doing this uh, a little over seven years now. If you could sit down, if you can jump in a time machine, sit down and talk to the Tyler before he left and committed to doing this and say something, what, what's the advice? What do you want to go back and give yourself? It goes quick. It goes really fast and enjoy the journey. Buckle up. Don't worry about the destination as much as you're enjoying uh, the journey. Good advice there. Good advice that the destination is always hard to figure it out. And I, if I had a guess, when you started all this, you didn't think you'd be where you are today. This wasn't this wasn't all part of the plan, right? No, absolutely not. You know, I thought we could maybe build a nice little five million dollar revenue business, and you know, then sell it or something like that. Here we are, you know, approaching twenty million, and a very young, hungry, motivated team won't let anybody or anything get in their oh, way. I love it. Well, it's, it's an awesome story, Tyler. I I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing some of your story and your journey with with our listeners here. And and for our listeners, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best place to, to get in touch with you and learn more about Surf Scrub? So yeah, email tfair at sourcegrub.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. Would love to would love to hear from some some folks, whether it's uh, good feedback or, or actually my favorite is what's not working. So if there are any customers out there that like to reach out, I'm always open to a conversation, particularly around what's not working, so that we can go and fix oh, it. Oh, that that that's the key to feedback. Good feedback is is great to hear, I guess. But at the end of the day, and we've had great feed. Like we've had such supportive customers that have, you know, we've got a customer advisory panel of maybe call it 75 logos, of some of the best mm-hmm. private equity firms and investment banks that have been using our sauce for five years and are like, Hey, now you need to go and do this. And we're going to go and do that and continue to create value at the behest of some of the, you know, some of these world-class firms. Well, and like you said, that, that getting that real feedback and, and learning that that's how you make success out of it. So, well, thank you again. I appreciate you coming on here and, and looking forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, let's do it again soon. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for tuning in this week. Share this podcast with your professional network to help others connect, grow, and excel. Like what you hear? Leave us a review. And don't forget to subscribe now.